Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Forum, the official podcast for diplomacy, law, and policy. Today we have with us Dr. Sayaullah Rahmani, who is the regional advisor for Islamic law and jurisprudence with the ICRC. Thank you for being here with us. Today our podcast focuses on the intersection between Islamic law and international humanitarian law. Welcome, Dr. Sayaullah. Firstly, before we delve into where Islamic laws of war and international humanitarian law intersect and where they diverge, I would like to take a step back and discuss whether this discussion is even needed in the first place. Is it appropriate given the wars waged in the name of Islam and those taking place in Muslim majority countries that is is this a study that needs to be undertaken or whether is it unfair to even compare a 7th century historic tradition with contemporary laws of warfare what are your views bismillah rahman rahim uh, thank you very much for having me uh, well uh, the question that whether the dis- why this discussion is needed or whether it is needed or not so uh, in a muslim context uh because the muslims uh, they believe in the islamic faith and they derive the uh, guidance for all the affairs of their lives or ideally they should derive the guidance uh, from the islamic teachings so that's why for the muslims it is very important to know that what are the rules and regulations when it comes to the conduct of hostilities that's why uh, the uh, what you have uh, mentioned as a tradition of the 7th century of course that tradition is the sunnah of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam which was basically the practice of the text of quran so quran was the text which was revealed to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he practiced that text or he demonstrated how to Uh, apply those rules those principles which are in quran and as quran is an eternal speech of allah and that is good for all times and for all ages and for all circumstances as the muslims believe so therefore it is even relevant today to discuss those rules yeah all right thank you Secondly, can you please tell us what the threshold for the application for both regimes of war is and in what ways do these differ? Well, uh, basically when we talk of the modern IHL, uh, which is the uh, international conventions and which has have been agreed by all the states of of the world today, like 192 states have uh, ratified and signed the Geneva Conventions including the 57 Muslim states. so they strictly apply only in the matters of war but when we search for those rules in islamic law so we find that in islamic law the terminology which is used for the matters for the international matters or for the matters of war and peace that branch of knowledge is called seer seer is basically an arabic word and it is the plural of seera and seera is the the, the life of the prophet sallallahu So as I said earlier that uh, basically the Muslims they derive or the, the in the Muslim jurisprudence the basic source is Quran and then uh, the practice of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so therefore uh, the matters related to war and peace all of them are included in seer now seer is a very broad uh, field uh, while IHL is very narrow in that sense 
the rules of ihl are the corresponding rule of ihl are those matters which are discussed in ihl you can find them in sira uh, in seer i'm sorry but in seer you have a lot of other uh, discussions as well so for example we have in ihl when we talk we 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 start with the introduction we say that there is a jusset bellum and there is a jusin bellow jusset bellum means you know the ratio or the the, the reason for war or the legality and uh, illegality of war while the jusin bellow uh, jus, uh, jusin bellow is the uh, the the ethics of war which is ihl but in seer both the jus ad bellum and jus in bello both the branches of that law are included so seer is applied you know it is for a muslim state to apply it in all circumstances whenever they deal with other nations whether it is hostile relations or whether it is peaceful relations and whenever they deal with the foreign citizens for example in their state but ihl strictly applies only when the war starts as we know that yes Thank you. Uh, following on from that, could you please go into the key areas of overlap between two regimes? That is the principle of distinction, proportionality, and regulation of means and methods. I'd like to especially focus on areas where both areas converge quite significantly, such as the treatment of prisoners of war. Well, the uh, rules of IHL uh, basically, when we discuss IHL, so we know that the rules. of the conduct of hostilities have been there from the time immemorial in different cultures civilizations and religions and in islam those rules have been uh, discussed and they have been practiced by as i said earlier the, by the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the companions of the prophet and throughout the history the, the islamic history you know the, the muslim said they have been uh, practicing those rules uh, very well now Uh, we uh, say that ihl is basically a universal code of 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 uh, of law and uh, those uh, rules they you, you can find them in any civilization any culture but today uh, we have uh, you know when when the when when it when it uh, when the law advances so you know you you reach to the, to those uh, categorization that you have the rules of proportionality distinction and etc uh, etc et arbitrary necessity for that matter so in islam of course all those concepts have been there the essence have been there while you know maybe uh, the names uh, you, you, maybe sometimes you don't find the name exactly but the, the 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 essence have been there so when it comes to the military necessity for example so we know that islam allows you know that there there would be there would be a time when a state has to go to war and it has to defend itself and it has to use the force but then there are limitations you know as we have the the principle of limitation so islam also you know there is there is there is a lot of limitations which have been uh devised by the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he has been instructing his troops that not to kill for example children the elderly the disabled those who are not taking part in hostilities for example are the religious people are the women because women traditionally didn't take part in hostilities so this is this is what today distinction is saying proportionality is of course you know uh, again there so uh, even the, the 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 means and methods of war they have been discussed by the uh, the muslim jurists very well So in the classical time, we know that there were uh, the classical means and methods of war. So we had uh, arrows, for example. So the the jurists they have been discussing, for example, that whether poisonous arrows 
could be used or not you know and there are some who say that in case of military necessity if it is for for you know if it is utmost necessary that without it it the 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 enemy cannot be defeated so maybe they can be used but then you know uh, many of the jurists they forbid you know the poisonous arrows and likewise the 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 arrows with the uh, uh, on, on where uh, on the tip of the arrow there is a fire for example so whether that is being allowed or not so the jurists they have been discussed the classical i'm talking of the classical jurists they have been discussing those means and methods of war as well uh, so yes all those concepts are there and uh, when we go to the uh, islamic literature we find that the muslims uh, jurists they have been discussing uh, those ethics of war and those uh, principles uh, in a greater detail okay to wrap up this discussion i would want to ask you what do you think needs to be done in the future in terms of raising awareness of islamic laws of war and in what way can we practice both regimes together in terms of supplementing international humanitarian law with the islamic laws of war and vice versa well here uh, maybe i would refer to the international committee of the red cross for, for where i am working you know and uh, the icrc it it strives to highlight you know the fact that ihl is a universal code it, these are the rules which have been there you know from the time immemorial in the in in, in various cultures and religions and therefore uh, icrc interacts with different religious groups for example so in the muslim context icrc promotes uh, ihl within the islamic circles and ask them about their uh, perspective of of the ihl and it has been a long journey now so the the muslim institutions and the islamic scholars they uh, have recognized that the rules of ihl they are mostly almost all of them are compatible with the principles of islamic law and therefore uh, i think we should highlight this fact uh, within the muslim context Uh, so that uh, the muslims they know that ihl is not only a western body of law or a purely western body of law rather uh, these are the rules which have been uh, discussed before which have been practiced before uh, in the muslim tradition as well another uh, important thing is that when we talk of ihl uh, normally people look at it as uh, something coming purely from the west while it the, um, the 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 basic you know for, for example the geneva conventions they have been the geneva conventions of 1949 they have been approved by all muslim uh, all the states including the muslim states yeah. and uh, many people do not know this that uh, when uh, those geneva conventions in 1949 when they were being formed when they were being uh, discussed so there were 6 months of deliberations and all the diplomats the international diplomats they were there were there were working groups who were working who worked on this and among them the uh, muslim diplomats were at the forefront and they have been checking uh, those rules in the light of islamic law and we know that if something is clearly against islamic principles so the muslim diplomats they would never agree to that so therefore uh, i mean we should i i would be talking of the muslim context so in the muslim context we can say that we should clarify this fact to the muslim youth and the muslim populations that ihl is of course it it, it began in the west it uh, and today because you know there are many powerful states in the west who are parties to the international agreements but the muslim states they are also part of it they have agreed to it 
and as per islamic law rules treaty is a very important source of law so this is an, a treaty where the muslim states they have entered into those treaties with their free uh, mutual consent and whenever a treaty is entered into with free mutual consent so it is binding upon the muslims as per the rules of islamic law and there are yes. many many you know uh, many many uh, evidences for that from the text and from but but, but i think in the benefit of time I'm, i'll not go into the detail but so th- this should be very clear that these treaties uh, they have been entered into by the muslims uh, freely after after quite long deliberations and there is nothing which is i am talking only of the geneva conventions of course i'm not talking of all the treaties so the the, the ihl treaties there is nothing which is going against the islamic principles so that's why uh, uh, you know we should highlight this intersection between ihl and islamic law and in this way i think uh, people will take it very well Finally, can you please tell us what resources are available for people who are interested in the topic and in the intersection between Islamic laws and international humanitarian laws? Uh, thank you. That's a very good question. And uh, you know, in in Pakistan, uh, we have been trying to produce some Urdu literature on this as well. So uh, I would mention, you know, there is a very good. a uh, book written by uh, professor dr mohammad mushtaq who is who has been uh, director general of sharia academy in islamabad so he has written a book uh, uh, a recent book is adabul qital adabul qital is the islamic terminology for ihl you can say that and then uh, we have another professor from international islamic university islamabad professor mohammad munir uh, he has written a very good book in english which is the islamic law of uh, war uh, if i'm not uh, uh, if i'm uh, correct in, in recalling the name but it is islamic law of war uh, by professor mohammad munir then uh, we have an egyptian professor uh, professor uh dr al daudi he has written a book uh, which is his phd thesis uh, uh, and and its name is islamic law of war and peace and uh, uh on the web we have a very good resource uh, which is uh, basically an icrc resource but uh, it is basically focused on the religion and humanitarian principles so the name is also religion and humanitarian principles if you uh, if you write this this entry in in, in google so you you will reach to the a website uh, religion and humanitarian principles and there is a lot of uh, resources available on that uh, website uh, there is a, even a list uh, in the name of library uh, and a, so anyone who is interested do you know and there are many many uh, videos and podcasts etc as well which which are uh, available on that thank you very much thank you that's extremely helpful thank you thank you so much dr zaula for joining us today and providing us with such insightful information we really appreciate it thank you thank you very much